Two guys not related, yet somehow are given the same name. It's time for the Two Daves podcast, where we'll answer the age-old question, are two Daves better than one? And now, here's Dave and Dave. You heard it right, it's the Two Daves podcast. Welcome to the Two Daves Nation, and don't forget to subscribe or share this podcast with your friends, and I would say even with your enemies, depending on if you like this or not. We're slowly but surely building our audience and would love you to be with us for the journey. Yeah, and we are here today to prove wrong the commercial that told people, don't be a Dave, because I am Dave. And I'm Dave, and this ain't tacos, and we'll tell you that story later on. Yeah, we're here together once again to discuss, well, really whatever we feel like discussing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fully aware that it may put even some of you to sleep, but we're, we're going to discuss it anyway. That's right. You know, we're not uh, too bright at this, but we're willing to, you know, try and go on uh, half a wattage instead of full wattage. So let's, let's try this, Dave. I'm sure you've been. I'm sure you've been glued to the um, to the TV, watching the sporting events with no fans, haven't you? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Our man, our house has been filled with electricity and anticipation. <laughs> but, you know, if you know Dave, um, he's not too into the sporting events at his house. Yeah, I'm just not a just not a sports fan. It's all right. It's mm. all right. Not much to watch anymore anyway. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's kind of weird with no fans there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, that's where you you do you get a lot of the, you know, I guess the electricity comes from that and yeah. there's a home field advantage and, you know, but now it's all piped in and it's all fake stuff and it's just it's weird watching it you think you think that's that's difficult for the players to play with no fans I think it is you know um not that this is a sports talk show but I was listening to one of the guys uh, the announcers uh announcing the Iowa Hawkeye game he was talking about there's no there's no home court advantage and it, it is weird so they have to muster up all of that energy from their bench yeah I've often wondered I've often wondered how many of those players really enjoy the game as much as they enjoy the notoriety and the prestige and the fame. And uh, it's hard to, if, if, if they lean towards the latter, which I've mentioned, it's really hard to play when <laughs> there's no fans cheering them on. Yeah. I mean, I think every sports person loves to play in front of a crowd. You know, yeah. they, they like that. Sure. So, sure. You know, it's just, uh, it's disappointing a sporting event without, um, without fans and speaking of that Dave uh oh um you and I put together a list of kind of disappointments like that what what are some other things that would be considered a disappointment like going to a sporting event and having no fans so yeah yeah let's go ahead and share this list no matter if it's funny or not I'm sure it isn't, but go ahead, Dave. Okay, good. Well, first of all, I would say this. Uh, going to a uh, sporting event with no fans is like watching Swamp People with no subtitles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now that uh, – yeah, I see your point there. Yep. 
Yep. By the way, I'm a Swamp People fan. I don't know about you. I don't even know if it's on anymore. I thought you were one of the stars. Yeah. <laughs> My wife has to do subtitles for me all the time. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Uh, the next one I said, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger's catchphrase being changed from I'll be back to I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? Now, you do know where that phrase comes from, don't you? I know you are, but what am I? Isn't that Pee Wee Herman? That's correct. That's correct. I mean, yeah. Uh, Well, hey, I got one. Okay. Uh, Watching a sporting event with no fans is kind of like revisiting your childhood town. And the only thing people can remember about you is being that kid that never played sports and instead collected presidential buttons. This is like writing your autobiography, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I didn't want to be too specific, but that may <laughs> possibly be a little too close to home. I don't know. Is this a story that really did happen or what? Uh, anyway, I got another okay. one. All right, good. Uh, good. Visiting a, or watching a sports uh, event – what are they called? Games? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watching a game without any fans is kind of like uh, being told that dancing is a way of expressing yourself. And then suddenly you, real, suddenly you realize that the only dance you know is the electric boogaloo. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. Well, you know what? You just need to look for my autobiography. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'm sure it'll be under illustration one. So. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> I have one last one. Uh, it's like being told that you have a type A personality, but you grow up not caring about life. And then you remember you don't have a type A personality. They told you you have type A blood. (laughs) Yeah, that would definitely be a a difference. Yep. Yeah, it would. It would. Uh, Can we move on? Yeah, let's, let's do please. Feels like deja vu. Yeah. You know, I've been, uh, I've been looking at the news lately and not, not at the mainstream news because to be honest with you, I'm so tired of the actual news that's out there. So yeah. uh, I went in search of some, some odd news stories, you know, some things that aren't covered by CNN or Fox or ABC, you know, matter of fact, they probably aren't even covered by your local newspaper, but I found some interesting things out there online that uh, I thought would just kind of be interesting to share. You say these uh, are odd, odd stories. Odd stories, yeah, odd stories. So now yeah. are we going to read more about your bio- autobiography in this or not? Um, Dave, this is quickly going to become the One Dave podcast. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go all ahead. All right, all uh, right. Let's see, here's one. Uh, soap opera actor, this is the headline, soap opera actor, finds python slithering on his home's toilet. <laughs> yeah, apparently, a, a, a British soap opera actor found a four-foot-long snake slithering across, across his toilet seat and had to call animal control. Do you, are, do, would that bother you? Do you? Are you afraid of snakes? Oh, um, I would not live in that house again, I think, if that happened. <laughs> you know, snakes don't bother me. Um, but if I found a four-foot python oh. slithering on my toilet seat, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that probably I would be looking for a different place to live that day. Yeah. Dave, I got to tell you, I'm not only afraid of snakes, but, but mice. Oh, mice. Now, yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was, spiders and mice don't bother me, but I'll tell you, or snakes and spiders, snakes and mice don't bother me, but I am petrified of spiders of all sizes and bats. I hate spiders and bats. It's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? How we're kind of afraid of those things. We're way bigger than them, but uh, I remember one day, this is, a, okay, this is not part of the odd story. This is just a dumb story, okay? Oh, but I'm sure it is. My wife and I had, uh, moved to Iowa. We were in our like, I don't know, second year of uh, marriage and, and, uh, or third year of marriage and, and, uh, um, second year of ministry together. And we were at this house and there was, uh, we were not too far from the field and there was field mice in our house. So my wife grew up on the farm and I did not. So I, we knew where the mouse was and it had, it had been in the living room. So I decided I'm going to put a, like a skillet so it has to run alongside the skillet. And then I'm going to have um, a, a can that's going to block it. And then when it realizes it can't go through there, it's going to come back out and I'm going to throw a knife at it. Well, <laughs> so anyway, here, sure enough, there goes the mice and going in and uh, it, it hit the, the can and came back out. I threw the knife at it. It missed it. And I'm like... You know, I'm, t I'm petrified. So I grabbed the can of corn that I had, threw it at the mouse and killed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Well, well, you, told, you told a mouse story. I better tell a bat story. Yeah, I um, do. Many years ago, we were living in Iowa and we had a bat in our house. And I'm told that if you have only one bat in your house, it's a fluke thing. It isn't that your house has bats. It probably came in on your coat or something, which that just absolutely oh, man. Really creeps me out. The thing that yeah. it may have come in with me that night. But anyway, uh, we were, we were, had gone to bed, my wife and I had, and I decided that I had a late night craving for a bowl of cereal. So I got up and went into the kitchen and poured myself a bowl of cereal and was take the, I took the lid off the milk. I was getting ready to pour the milk and I saw something fluttering behind me. I thought, well, that's a big moth. Oh, it wasn't a moth. <laughs> and so I took, I, I, I was yelling, okay, and I had the gallon jug of milk. And instead of setting it down, I ran with it into my bedroom, into the bed, pulling my sheets up. And Nita's going, what are you doing? Why, why didn't you set the milk down? So, yeah, I guess we just all do crazy things when we're scared, but. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't think those will go into the Manly Man magazines, will they? Those stories. <laughs> Probably not. I got another, uh, got another odd story. A uh, Canadian police officer was investigating the report from a witness that called in and said that they'd found a severed foot at the side of the road. Now, that's, that's quite a find, isn't it? And yeah. so uh, the Canadian police officer was investigating this report, and uh, his discovery was considerably less alarming than the initial report. It was actually a, a discarded mannequin's foot. So, <laughs> uh, How would you like to have been that person finding that? Oh my, can you imagine that? That, that, mm -hmm. that could almost, 
be made into a movie, you know, kind of like Lady on a Train, where you know you think you see something, but or but my he, left foot. Yeah, my left foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Do you have any? By other the stories? way, this this one, I love this story. Uh, the organizers of the No Pants Subway Ride. Oh boy! Which is an annual January event. Have you heard of this? No. It's it's the No Pants Subway Ride. It's held every January. Uh, at public transport in more than a dozen cities worldwide. I'm talking United States cities, European cities, wherever. Worldwide, there's a, a date in January where it's no pants subway ride. People are encouraged to ride the subway in their city with no pants on. Well, the news story is that the organizers for the no pants subway ride have determined that uh, – and they have announced that the 2021 ride has been canceled due to COVID. <laughs> that's, that's just very interesting. People uh, run around in public with no pants mm -hmm. are afraid of getting COVID. I, I don't know. Just interesting, interesting thought. That just proves that people's masks are being made out of their own underwear, I believe. That's probably. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I have, a, I have a Batman gator that uh, someone gave me for Christmas this year. And uh, I don't, well, anyway, I was wearing it uh, one day in, uh, at a restaurant. And my little grandson has a uh, Batman mask because we both love Batman. Uh -huh. and so we took a picture together and a friend of mine said, you know what? That looks exactly like a pair of underwear that I lost. <laughs> Underoos. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. This podcast is now being sponsored by awkward moments. <laughs> yeah. You know, for that moment when you see someone walking towards you that you don't want to talk to, has that ever happened to you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, like like if it's your wife or something. But when you yeah. see somebody walking towards you and you don't want to talk to, see, so pretend you're talking in her cell phone, and then it rings. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awkward. Uh, yeah, we all have them, man. Stop yeah. fighting them. Embrace them, because it's bound to happen to you sooner or later. <laughs> Thank you, awkward moments for um, for sponsoring this uh, awkward podcast. It's, for sponsoring uh, our lives. Yes. Yes. Oh boy. You know, um, in this podcast, if we ever get through it here, we, we're going to talk about how life can happen in such a way that it causes us to reprioritize what matters most. You know, I don't know about you, Dave, but, um, you can get sucked up into the things of life so much that you really begin to forget what matters most, you know? Oh Yeah. Absolutely. There is so much drama yeah. that we can get involved in. And especially if you're on social media and who isn't, uh, it's so easy to get just sucked into stuff that really in the light of eternity, it doesn't matter. Right. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. We want to laugh because sometimes we, we forget to laugh because we take life so seriously. Mm -hmm. Maybe we take ourselves so seriously um, and, and sometimes serious things happen that have to get our attention. So uh, we have a guest tonight, and I'm going to bring him on right now. 
Our guest is Ricardo Alves. He found himself serving a four-month stint in the county jail for a crime he did not commit. And yet while serving his time, it became an awakening in his life, both spiritually and relationally. I'm also privileged to be Ricardo's pastor. He plays drums at our church. And uh, I taught him everything that he that he knows and everything that he doesn't know on that. And it's an honor that he agreed to come on our podcast because everybody that comes on our podcast is taking a risk, Dave, right? That's right. So, anyway, uh, we, we just welcome Ricardo. Hey, well, welcome, Ricardo, to the Two Daves podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey. Hey, Ricardo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, let's see. So many great things about me. Let's see. Okay, that's enough. No, just kidding. Uh, perfect. Um, well, I'm a 30, I'm 33 years old. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Tierra, for the past long 13 years. Uh, we have two wonderful children. Um, Isaac is... How many children total? Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want any more than that. Yeah, but um, yeah, um, they're wonderful. Um, Isaac is 13, and Josie is going to be nine next month. Ah, nice. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm a bridge builder. I work for a company. We build bridges. Um, Pastor Dave said it. Uh, I'm the drummer at the church, and, um, you know, he taught me everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> How but, long did that take? Uh, uh, I mean, it's been a couple years now. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's just finishing his third month of therapy, so uh, yeah. you know that that might say something. Yeah, but um, yeah, um, it's been great. Okay, been great. Well, uh, when was it? What what year did you serve your sentence? Well, the incident happened in 2018, um, but uh, I served my sentence at the end of 2019. Uh, in the beginning of 2020, so how, how long? How um, long sentenced for? I was in there for. I was sentenced to 140, uh, 141 days. Okay. So, you know, let's talk about um, how was your life prior to? Um, I said, you know, maybe jail time, but how about prior to the incident? What, what, how was your life prior to that? Well, um, you know how everybody's talking about now, you know, the 2020 is the worst year we ever had. Well, not for me. For me, it was 2018. 2018 mm -hmm. was, was the worst year in my life. I mean, um, besides getting married, you know, it was one of the worst. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, even before then, even before 2018, I mean, it was – it was, you know, getting bad. I mean, just to recap it, we, we had left the church and uh, we should have never left. Um, I thought that God wanted us to do something different with our lives, but uh, that wasn't the case. Um, I mean, you know, not much longer after we left the church, like, um, you know, our lives started falling apart. I mean, my marriage started crumbling and hmm. um, I'm just, things here and there just started sipping into our lives because we had left the, 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 the protection of God. You know I mean? We were, it, it was just, it was, it was 
crazy. It was something surreal, but but it was happening. And um, I mean, before prior prior to the incident, I mean, I was I was doing pretty bad. I mean, I was um, at one point my barber he opened up a, a bar, and um, I went in to get my my hair done and and my beard trim and stuff. And um, he asked me if I wanted to be security for his bar, and I, I said, yeah. I mean, we were doing bad financially too, so I was like, hey, there's some money right there. Well, not long after that, I, I mean, I fell back. I started drinking again. I mean, I, I went far back, you know, into my old life that, that I even started using again, and, and that was pretty bad. I mean, that was, that was the, you know, that was the worst. But, um, I mean, it just felt like I was going backwards. I was going back into my old life. And, and, and it, should I say that? I didn't care. I mean, you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't there mentally. I wasn't there spiritually. Um, but, yeah, yeah I mean, my, my spiritual life and my, my family, my spiritual condition, my family condition were literally flatlining, you know. I think it's uh, interesting, Ricardo, that uh... – even though we might say we don't care and our condition was not good, um, God is constantly aware of what's going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we, and, don't, uh, we don't realize it, but yeah. you know, he's there. Yeah. It's true. He doesn't leave us. We leave him, but he doesn't leave us. And uh, that's, um, that's interesting. So, um, you know, let, let's talk about what made you in 2018 um, – that incident, what made you want to go to that party where you were arrested? Well, you know, um, to be honest, you know, I feel like God allowed it to happen. I really feel the, um, the God, you know, he, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like he allowed it to happen. He was, he had a plan. He knew where I was going. And when he figured out, you know, he started changing what he wanted for me. And, and he knew how far I was going to get. He knew how far I was going to go. So he obviously, you know, had a plan for me. But, um, you know, we were doing bad. You know, me and my wife, we were, you know, having problems. And um, um, I think that night me and my wife had a, a, a fight. We had an argument. And um, so I left the house. Um, it was late at night. And I left. And I knew about this party. Um, I knew some of the people that were there, so I decided to go, and um, I went. I showed up, and and that's where it happened. I mean, that's where, you know, I kind of, I call it the great intervention. That's mm -hmm. what happened. But um, mm -hmm. um, uh, you you know, like you know, we were saying, you know, the whole time I was going backwards uh, into my life. You know, God was there, and mm -hmm. um, He was there you know, the whole time he was trying to stop me. Um, you know, now, now I feel, now I see it that he was there and he was trying to stop me because I can see the, what, what, what he, how he was trying to stop me, but you know, I didn't see it then. And, um, um, you know, a lot of the things that I did, you know, the spirit convicted me of it and, and I knew it was doing wrong. And, um, but you know, I was too stubborn. I, I, I didn't, I just kept going and going. Um, but that's kind of how I know that God allowed it for what, it to happen. What, what happened that night? What, what led to your arrest? Well, there were some, you know, a bunch of things that happened. I mean, I showed up 
and I wasn't invited. Mm-hmm. So I showed up and I know what that's like. I'm, I show up invited, uninvited a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I showed up uninvited and, and, um, I contact some of the people that I knew and they're like, no, go away, blah, blah, blah. You know, we don't want you here. I was like, why not? You know, I'm fun. I'm cool. You know, but you know, I guess some people started getting mad. Um, some people ended up coming out of the house and I thought, you know, I was going to go in, you know, I thought they were going to come out and tell me, hey, well, I jumped out of the car and, and no, it wasn't that, you know, they were coming to confront me. And um, so we had a, argument I was already angry I was already you know mad at my wife so it was kind of like a uh, you know just anger took over but um you were um, a stick of dynamite weren't you that was already lit pretty and much about ready to much. go off yeah I mean the fuse was getting really short yeah but um you know I ended up you know getting arguments with people and stuff like that you know and it was all bearable it wasn't really anything physical besides, you know, me getting pushed and, and, you know, I, I mean, my shirt was tore up because they were trying to drag me into my car. I was like, okay, you know, I'm, wow. I'm leaving. So I ended up taking off and, um, so I guess somebody had already called the cops. And, um, when I pulled off, I turned on the first corner, I turned and by the time I turned, the cops were behind me. So, you know, and, you know, I was thinking, you know, at that moment, I was like, if I pull over right here, they'll impound my car. So I went all the way home and um, then I didn't know what was going on. I thought, you know, hey, I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to go home and, you know, park my car. Um, maybe I can talk to them then. But no, by the time, by the time we got to my house and it wasn't, it was probably about two blocks away. By the time we got to, to the house and I was just doing speed limit, I was maybe even under speed limit. So I wasn't really taking them on the chase or anything like that. But, um, and it's even on the report, you know, that I was, you know, just driving cautiously, heading home. But um, by the time I got home, I guess the cops were already, or the cop was already frustrated. So the whole ordeal with the cops happened there. Um, you know, ended up getting arrested right there in front of my house. And, um, and then the other charges came in after I got arrested, after I got put in jail, um, I found those charges. I found out what they were the next day, pretty much. But mm. it was it was an intense night. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So the, then the state picked up your case, and uh, they pressed charges against you. But your case never went to court. Is that correct? Well, yeah. The next day. Um, um, in the morning, it was a Saturday. So the next day of Sunday, um, I got to see a judge and, um, bright and early in the morning, I think it was like eight o'clock. So I got to see the judge and he was telling me the charges that I had. And then, and then he started telling me the ones that they added. And, um, I was just, oh, what are you talking about? And he was like, yeah, these charges, you know, um, they were thrown in there after you were already in here. And I was like, well, that never happened. You know, well, I was like, I was surprised. And um, so he ended up just telling me, well, you know, that's what it is. It is what it is. Um, you're going to have to find a lawyer. And um, nobody, see, the thing was that nobody pressed charges on me. Hmm. But since they gave a statement, they gave a statement, the, the, the state ended up picking up my case. 
because, <laughs> you know, there were a violent um, um, charges. So the state picked it up and yeah, we never went to court. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, pretty much I feel like I was railed to taking a plea bargain. Uh, my lawyer pretty much told me, he straight up told me, he's like, if you go to court, you're going to lose and you're going to be serving time, not in jail, but in prison. You're going to be in prison and there'll probably be some immigration consequences on top of that because you will be getting charged with the, the, the you know, most aggravated charges. But if we go for a plea bargain, you know, we can lease the charges and, and maybe get you something better. So pretty much what they did so you signed a plea bargain which um i'll just put a little side note of myself in there that's just a lawyer's lazy way of not doing his job and uh i hate to say that but um i will say that and i've talked to uh, uh people higher up that um we've got a lot of lawyers that are just uh doing plea bargaining and they're scaring their people into signing the plea bargain and that's a major, major problem today because then um, they don't, you have to work to go into court and they, yeah. they just don't do it. But they'll sure uh, not be afraid to call you up and ask you for all kinds of money. That's for sure. So oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you signed a plea bargain, which uh, consisted of what? Um, the plea bargain at the end ended up, I ended up uh, catching four charges and um one of them was uh, carrying weapons while intoxicated. Uh, the second one, it was OWI. Uh, the third one was assault causing mental illness. And the fourth one, I think it was harassment on the third. Okay, so let's talk about all those. The first one was what now? What the was your first, first one? Was one? Car carrying weapons while intoxicated. Okay, so were you intoxicated that night then? No. Yeah. And no. then you had a gun because you're a legal gun? They, they said that I had a gun. Yeah. Well, I'm a legal, I was a legal carrier prior to all this, but my, my permit had expired. Mm -hmm. So it was like a year and I hadn't carried like a whole year. Right. But um, I'm known, I'm known in town to carry a firearm. And I know by the, obviously these people knew me. So yeah. they know that I, I'm known to carry firearms because, you know, that's, I, I exercise my second amendment. Right. Obviously, and, and so, yeah, I'm known in town for carrying firearm. I mean, my wife is known for carrying firearm. My dad's known for carrying firearm. I mean, you know, but so we are legal to carry firearms. You're not intoxicated. You, you, you don't, you're charged for OWI and you're not, you don't have that. Uh, and see, well, the OWI was just thrown in there and pretty much um, I had an a, a email uh, that my lawyer sent me because I told him I want every single email that you talk to the DA, uh, I want them all. I want to know exactly what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of them was like, yeah, you know, we can do this and we can do that. He's like, even, you can throw, even throw an OWI in there if you want. I was like, what? <laughs> you're going to do what? And I, I confronted him. I was like... <laughs> Why, why would you do that? Well, you know, we want to listen to your charges and that's something that, you know, just to, just to get them to bite on this. So it's like, okay, whatever. You know. 
We brought you on tonight, Ricardo, to share your story, but there's a lot of people that go through the same type of thing. And yeah. um, in our system today, we've allowed this kind of stuff. Just throw in whatever charge you want to, and um, uh, then we'll just justify that. And, you know, because we're scaring them into it, and then they want to use uh, immigration stuff. And you you had your permanent residency, yeah. but they're going to go after you because, um, you know, we'll we'll – we'll t throw you back to Mexico and we'll throw the key away and, and um, you'll never be able to come back. And if you want to see your family, they'll have to move down there. And, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And it's very, um, it's very disheartening what's going on. So anyway, you signed this plea bargain um, and we, we've talked about all this, but what about your wife? How did your wife, and your family deal with all this that was going on? Um, you know, in the beginning, it was, it was hard. I mean, my wife was ready to leave me. She was ready to pack her bags and, you know, see you later. Um, my parents were disappointed, you know, um, they were mad at me. Uh, my in-laws, you know, they, they were disappointed, you know. Um, I feel ashamed, I was ashamed for what happened. I mean, I mean, the first thing I come out, and uh, and the first thing that I get on my Facebook is my mugshot, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, just like, ha, huh, you know, um, mm -hmm. I've never been to jail prior to all this. I've never been in jail. I never, I've never been arrested, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, I had tickets, you know, um, um, moving violations, stuff like that, but that's it, you know. Uh, but, you know, I mean, yeah, it was hard. Um, I really literally thought it was all over for me. Um, but you know, God had a different plan. Um, he, he had a different plan for me and my family. I mean, um, after we talked, me and my wife talked, uh, we prayed, uh, we read the word together, you know, with the kids as a family, um, um, things started changing. Um, and this is, this is with like within weeks of what happened. And, um, you know, God started working in us and, and he started, you know, changing, the, the way we were seeing things and uh, we started getting closer together as a family and as a couple, you know, we, it was, it, it was just, you know, uh, our church. I mean, they were there for us. They, they prayed for us, you know, every, anytime we need a prayer and, you know, they were there to support us, you know, emotionally. Um, I mean, things started changing and, and God was moving, God was moving in our, in our lives and, and, and he had great plans. I think that that's kind of funny, Dave, we're, we're talking about this and, you hear, you just see God moving in this, but there's a moral that we, we learn, and that is what those last three weeks before you went and served your time, God had already begun to do a healing and bring your family back together, bring your marriage back together. And it's, it's just a reminder of if this is the way that you will be, if you'll remain this way, you won't have to go through that extra stuff that that's yeah. unnecessary in life. However, sometimes things still happen. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we're still persecuted and we go through suffering because of doing the right thing. So, you know, I think we're just safe by saying we're just trusting God in this whole process. And so, you know, now this takes us up to you turn yourself in like at five o'clock at night. Um, just if you would, what was it like um, prior to serving that time, just the, the last 24 hours, 
prior to that? What, what, what kind of emotions were you dealing with? What was your family going through? Yeah, well, I didn't have to be, I didn't have to turn myself in until like 5 p.m. the next day. Um, I think it was the 9th when I turned myself in. So, so um, I, I took the day off of work um, and um, I just spent it with my family. I mean, we, um, with my kids and my wife and, you know, we played games, we watched movies, um, we cried, we laughed. Uh, uh, I mean, we just enjoyed our, our, you know, our last night together because, you know, that was actually the last night. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just enjoyed ourselves and, and, you know, you, you know, prior to this, you know, um, that happened in 2018 and I fought this case for a whole year. Um, and, um, um, you know, God was working through that year. God was, was, was doing things, was moving. Um, he was preparing us. He was literally yeah. preparing us for what was coming. And, um, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if I was going to go to jail. We didn't know if I was going to get, you know, just, you know, smacking the hand and, okay, don't do it again. So he was preparing us. So, you know, with that, I knew I was going to jail. I knew I was going to be serving time in jail. So, yeah, I mean, he prepared me and, and you know, he made me ready for it. Well, you were going to miss Christmas together as your family. Yes. And you were supposed to miss Easter together. So yes. those are two important um you know, holidays that we spend together as a family that you weren't going to be part of. Yeah. yeah. Tell it, us it about that. Day. Tell us about that evening that your wife took you, wife and your kids took you to the county jail. What was going through your mind? Oh, man. Uh, you know, you know, before I turned myself in, I, I, uh, I went to go see my parents. Uh, you know, I went to over there and say uh, goodbye, uh, bye, bye to them. And, you know, I said bye to my in-laws. Um, my best friend actually went in, went in with us to turn, uh, when I would turn myself in, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot was going on through my head. I mean, uh, at one point I was scared, uh, worried. I was emotional. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, this is my first time ever going to jail, um, uh, besides the one night that I spent in there, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, um, what was what was that first night like? Can you describe what you experienced that night? Oh man, uh, I mean it was it was crazy. It was it was really crazy. I mean, uh, um, as soon as I step in there, and I turn my back on my family, and I'm walking down the hall, I started missing them already. You know, and sure. as soon as I got pulled into the cell, um, I was my mind was already, what are they doing right now? What 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 are they gonna eat tonight? Uh, you know, so. It was, it was kind of crazy. Um, you know, it was cold. Uh, they took my shoes. They took my sweater. Uh, I was in there just, you know, and they keep it cold for some reason. I don't know why, but it's just cold. And, um, um, but, you know, out of the blue, everything, it was, out of the blue, everything turned peaceful. Um, there was hardly anybody in there. Um, I think there was one guy with me in the cell. And, and I was put in the big fish tank. They call it a fish tank. It's huge. They can fit like 20 people in there. And, um, but, you know, I started praying. I started thanking God. Um, because, like I said, I was so nervous and emotional before I, you know, when we were sitting there um, in the lobby. Um, and, and, you know, God spoke to me and he, he's like, hey. Oh, he, matter of fact, he reminded me, you know, of what he said to me um, two weeks prior to that. Me, my, me turning myself in, you know, and he's like, hey, I already told you I got this. 
you know, I'm in control. You know, there's nothing to worry about. You know, you're going to come in there. Um, you know, it's going to be fine. Um, but, you know, that helped me a lot that night, you know, the, I started thanking him and he reminded me that, that he was in control. I mean, two weeks before this, I was a mess. Two, two weeks before I turned myself in, I, I was a mess. I mean, I was down. I was, you know, sad. I was depressed. Um, I mean, I was in bad shape. Um, and I, I told Pastor, I told Dave Martin, you know, I was, I talked to him. Um, when it happened to me, I think it was like two days later, um, I was heading to work. I woke up. I have, I have to be at work early in the morning. So I get up like around 4.30, 5 o'clock. And, um, you know, I pushed myself out of bed. I had to push myself out of bed because I was just didn't want to do anything. And, uh, but I pushed myself, got ready, went to work, and um, I did my usual routine. You know, I turned the radio on, worship music, and um, I was listening, you know, and just singing. But deep inside, I was a mess. I was mm-hmm. torn. I was broken. And, um, uh, you know, my mind was going crazy. You know, I have these nasty thoughts, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I could just finish it all, you know. But, um, I mean, that's what it looked to me. The world was falling, you know, everything was on me. And, um, and then it happened, you know, uh, you know, he spoke to me and, you know, he asked me, why are you worried about? Well, what is it that you worry about? I already told you I'm in control. Uh, you already know I, I'm going to take care of you. You know, uh, I got this. Just trust me. And, and, you know, I'm preparing you. you. This is not the end of you. I'm preparing you for something more than you think. And, um, <laughs> And it, it was it was amazing. I mean, everything was lifted. Everything was lifted. I I, I mean, my my depression, my sadness, everything. It, it was it was gone. It was peaceful. I I felt it in my heart, and that's and, awesome. And I knew I was ready. I knew I was ready to go in jail. So you're going into jail. You know, God is um, has prepared your heart um, for probably serving Him inside of that cell. And uh, you were trusting him because God was getting ready to do some big things uh, behind bars. Um, so not only that, but God opened up a door for you in your job. Your wife oh, and yeah. kids are, are now living with their mom and with uh, her mom and dad. And yet somehow God allowed you to keep providing financially for your family. How, how did that happen? You know, the first thing I told my, my attorney, I was like, um, I was like, um, I can't stop working. I was like, it doesn't matter what happened. If I have to serve time, I can't stop working. I, I can't do that. I was like, if, if I do, it's the end of my family, you know. And um, we did have money saved up, but it wasn't going to be enough. Uh, not the way my wife spends money, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, you know I, I, I told him that and, um, um, he threw that into the, the plea bargain. You know, the, uh, if I could get, be granted work release. And, and he, he even told me himself, he's like, you know, there's a big chance that they're just going to deny it. He's like, they, 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 they do it all the time, you know, and, and you're going in there for, you know, some violent charges, you know, so they might deny it. But, um, you know, God is bigger than our problems. He's just bigger than anything. And, um, not not just they um uh, they accepted the the work release 
they even accepted my terms, which I, I'm a construction worker. So I'm out of the, I'm out working, you know, 14 hour days. And um, they accepted that uh, five days a week. Um, and, um, you know, they don't do that. They don't do that for people. They, they usually just grant, you know, if they grant work release, it's only like eight hours a day and that's it. So I'm gone like 13, 14 hours a day, a day plus an extra time so I can travel back and forth to my job because I have a, wow. a I commute about an hour, an hour, hour to an hour, 20 minutes, you know, for about three hours a day. That's my commute. And um, yeah, I mean, God provided. He, he, that was another miracle that happened. You know, he, he, I mean, he, he promised me he was going to provide and he did. Mm -hmm. hmm. You know, um, you, you said earlier that uh, this had become a, this had become a spiritual and a relational awakening for you. But what did, what did God do uh, in your time spent in jail? You know, one of the things that he did um, in me, you know, he, he changed my heart. He was working in my heart when I was in there. Um, um, you know, growing up and even as an adult, you know, I was, I always, you know, looked down on criminals. You know, I was, you know, because I don't know. I mean, I think it's nature, you know, human nature, but I always looked down on them. I always had a bad spot for them. You know, I mean, I love them and, you know, but just in my mind, I was like, how can they live like this? You know, can they do better? I mean, what, what's going on with them? Why can't they just do better? Yeah. But, um, you know, that was, that was, that was, that was my heart that was coming from the heart and I thought it was just me in my head I know it was coming from my heart so so the Lord you know he started working my heart you know I was in there and I can relate to them now I was in there and then I can see the good in them um you know um, um I became good friends with some of them and 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 you know I started seeing the good in them and and, and you know that's what he does that's what God does he sees the good in everybody and and he he sees the potential that they have in their lives and and he opened up my eyes to see that. So, you know, like that changed, like, mm. you know, within weeks, you know, how I was like, man, I was like, why have I ever thought about these people like this? You know, they're, you know, these are the people that God wants. Why mm -hmm. am I acting like that? I think that's important. You know, Dave, when we're talking about this, Ricardo brings up a really good point because if we don't watch it, we're easily judging people the ones that God says, uh, hey, I've got a plan for their life as well. Yeah. So instead yeah. of judging them, why don't you pray for them? And why don't you try to relate to them? And why don't you try to be uh, good news to them? And, you know, mm -hmm. even to the point that, you know, uh, I'm in there with, you know, murderers. Um, um, I even believe at some point there were some, you know, some child molesters in there. Um, you know, drug addicts. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's jail. Um, and people go through jail before they go to prison. So there's everybody's in there, any yeah. kind of crime they're in there. So, um, so yeah, I'm seeing this and, and, and now, now with my changed heart, I'm like, and uh, you know, in, in the other inmates, um, you know, there there's politics in there. They're, they're, it's run by politics in there. So you see all these things happening, especially to like child molesters, you know, they, it's bad for them. It's bad for them in there. I mean, they, Nobody got. Nobody likes them. Nobody wants them, and 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 me as a Christian, I I can't do. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I had to see them as they are, 
you know, uh, uh, as the creation of God and, 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 and they have, they have hope. They, they, you know, God wants them, you know, so that was, that was just me. And I had to reach them. I had to reach out to them. So I couldn't be like everybody else in there. I couldn't be like anybody else in there. You kind of became uh, Pastor Ricardo in there to them, didn't you? Uh, at some point I did. I mean, um, it was, you know, there were so many opportunities that God gave me to, to reach out to them. I mean, he allowed me to, to, to be their counselor. He allowed mm-hmm. me to be their, their uh, mediator. You know, when they couldn't agree on things, they would come up to me and like, instead of fist fighting and, you know, they will come up to me and, what do you think about this? I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you what the word says about it. I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what the word says about it. And you have to take it as you know, awesome. what God wants you. So, you know, I became a mediator for them. I, I mentored some of them. Um, I became a somewhat a, a spiritual guide, you know, to them. Um, mm-hmm. They had so many questions. I mean, so many questions. I was constantly you know, in my free time or when I came back from work, I mean, it's like they were, when I was at work, they were like thinking about, oh, what are we going to ask him? So I was constantly in the word looking hmm. for answers for them, you know, because if I didn't know it, I had to look for them and I know who had them. That's right. That's good. That's good. Well, how was God providing for your wife and kids during this time? What was that? How was God providing for your wife and kids during this time that you were away? Oh, man. I mean, he provided everything, um, you know, financially, uh, you know, most important, you know, just support from everybody. I mean, we had a very supportive family. Um, Our church family was very supportive. Um, You know, they prayed for us. Like I said, um, um, you know, I think Tierra spent most of the time I was in there at pastor's house. You know, just doing whatever you want. I mean, she was, so they were a big help for them, you know, uh, you know, my church family and my family. Um, uh, and God did that. God put us, you know, in their path because he knew we were going to go through this, you know, and he put them in our path so they can help us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, he provided for everything, you know, I mean, well, I remember them coming over the house and, you know, they, they'd eat supper with us and, and uh, we'd watch some Christmas movies together, and and my daughter loves loves your wife, and and uh, and then there's my wife and your wife in the kitchen and cooking and talking and laughing, and and a lot of times you know your kids were in, they were they were uh, you know throwing stuff at me or whatever, you know, just uh, I'd given them a bad time, and and it was cool because we just it was uh, the the right thing to do to incorporate somebody else's family into your own family because you know it was it was a privilege to do that and um uh and, and so because your wife was struggling the first uh, month was very that, difficult that, for her that helped him a lot that helped yeah him a lot to get through this you know i mean yeah. i feel like i had it easy in there you know i didn't yeah. have to worry about everything out here i mean i did but then i didn't you know but right you know I can see the difficulties that they went through and that helped them a lot, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you're supposed to serve five months basically. And yet, um, your wife starts praying and and really the church starts praying that you would get out in time. And we were under COVID restrictions. We were not meeting together as a church. 
and Easter Sunday was getting ready to happen, and we needed our drummer back. I mean, that's just the way it was. And so, um, uh, you know, they told you that uh, they wouldn't give you any time off early, but um, God made a way. And uh, so the five months turned into four months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And how did that happen? Well, before, um, before I get into it, um, you know, since I was work release, I couldn't get time, good time. I wasn't, um, um, I couldn't apply for good time. So, uh, and they told me that the get and go, they said, okay, you will get work release. You can't apply for good time. Um, you know, so don't even think about it, you know? So that in my mind, I was like, okay, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was supposed to be released on the, um, I think it was April 27th, so way past, you know. Um, Easter, yeah. Easter. And um, um, I ended up getting released on March 30th, I think it was. And um, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, I was to work. I think it was a Monday. And um, I didn't know nothing about it, you know, nothing about it. And I'm at work and, and I have my cell phone because my wife would charge it and she will give it to me, you know, when she will pick me up from jail and I'll drop me off on my cousins and we will go to work. And I will have my cell phone with me all day long. I mean, at least when I was at work. And, um, and the, 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 the sheriff's department, the, the county knew that I had my phone. So they called me and I'm like, man, I was like, should I answer it? <laughs> and, yeah, I'm looking at my phone and I can see who they are. And I'm like, ah, oh, let me answer it. And so I answer and I'm like, and they're like, Hey, Ricardo. And I was like, Hey, and they're like, you know who this is? I was like, I was like, yeah, um, you know, yeah. What's up? He's like, well, he's like, are you at work? I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm at work. You know, I was at work. And um, so he's sitting there and he's like, okay. He's like, well, are you sitting down? And I'm like, well, I'm on top of a bridge right now, but I can, you know, scoot in somewhere where I'm safe. I'm like, what, what's up? He's like, he's like, well, He's like, it looks like when you get back, uh, back in jail from work, it looks like you're going home. <laughs> Said that I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, looks like you're going to go home when you get back. I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? I was like, I still got like a whole month to go. And he's like, no. He's like, all you got to do is pay us whatever, whatever, because I had to pay every week so I can be released to go to work. He's like, all you got to do is pay us for the rest of the week and um and you can go home i was like sure thing how much do i owe you <laughs> and he tells me how much we owe and um i'm sitting there and i'm like Man, how did this happen and i just i can just you know sit there. how did this happen and, and it clicked the day before you know i i uh, it was sunday and um i'm sitting there sunday night and i'm reading the word you know i'm all into it and and, and you know i'm thinking of my family, you know, thinking of church, you know, and, and I sat there and I, I go into prayer and I ask God, I'm like, I'm like, God, I, I know you put me here. I know, I know, I know this is where you want me at this moment. Um, um, and I'm here, I'm here. I'm doing what you wanted me to do. You know, I'm, 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 I'm reaching these people, you know, cause that, that was the plan. That's what you wanted me to reach out to these people in here. They needed to hear the word, uh, your word. And I'm here. I was like, but God, if you are done with me here, <laughs> please let me go home. Please let me go home. 
ASAP, as yeah. soon as possible, let me go home. And, and, and you know, and I, I finished the prayer. And next thing I know, the next day, I'm, I'm heading home. I'm heading wow. home. I was like, how could that be, dude? So, you know. That's awesome. He answers. He listens and he answers the prayer. And, and you know, I know it. I know it. I mean, he did it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Ricardo, can you describe to us what your spiritual awakening looked like? You know, um, like I said, you know, I, I was doing bad. You know, I was doing things that I, I should have never been doing. Um, I mean, I, I've, uh, I was saved. Uh, you know, I received the Lord into my heart, just into my heart when I was like, I think, 16. And um, um, uh, me and my wife, actually, we went to a, to a um, um, Bible summer camp. I think that's what it's called, church camp. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I received the Lord into my heart. And um, so I, I knew, you know, I, I and then and then her her dad is a pastor, so you know he's been teaching me all these things, and I know these things. I know God. I know I know you know what He wants. I know Jesus. I know what they want for me, and um, and even then, you know, I was I was, you know, um, because I, I was doing good, but then on 2018 everything changed. There was just like a like a like a you know like. Like they turn around, you know, yeah, it turned around, you know, yeah, and, and we really feel it was when we left the church, we should have never left. I mean, we pretty much turned our backs on God, and um, um, you know, I was like I said, I was going back, um, into my old me, and um, and and but he brought me back, you know, he um, now I'm reading more, I mean, I'm reading the war more, uh, uh, you know, I'm in tune with God a lot more. I mean, I'm in tune with my spirit a lot more. Um, you know, I, I, it's just, just amazing all the things that he can do when, when you actually put the time and effort, um, to seek his face, to seek him, you know, and, and I mean, I'm doing a lot more things that I was before besides just drumming, you know? And, um, I mean, I feel like, I feel like that was something that God wanted me to go through. And I feel like they might be a, a some type of ministry because um, I, I love them now. I mean, I love the inmates. I mean, I want to go there and, 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 you know, talk to them and, 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 you know, just, just give them the word that God wants them to hear. So, so I feel like there's a ministry there that, that can happen. And, and I think me going through all that and, and I think it was the preparation that he wanted to give me for when I'm in there, you know, ministering to them you know so i can relate to them so i don't look down on them so i don't have that mentality and that on my heart no more so i think you know i think that that was my spiritual awakening he's like hey you're 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 i'm preparing you to do some something the 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 for a long time you've been running away you well know? and the uh, the other thing is when you get your spiritual act together and there's awakening there then you have relational awakening like you were talking about yeah. Your marriage is stronger. Yes. Uh, you appreciate your kids more. Oh, um, you spend more time with them. So you've prioritized. You make what what needs to matter most a priority in your life. Yes, yes. Everything's Which been, is, you know pretty much set on on stone. You know the priorities in my life now. You know I don't need great. to. I don't need to work. You know, kill myself for work now. You know, I, I think working is good. 
but I think I, I, I did that a lot. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I keep overwork myself and not pay attention mm-hmm. to my kids. I will get home tired, you know, so I prioritize that, you know, don't work as much, you know, leave, leave everything that your, your flesh wants and, and put more attention to, you know, God and family and, and the church and, 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 you know, friends and, and, and now the inmates, I mean, I, I'm still, I still have relationships with, with some of the inmates. They call me, That's... you know, and, 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 and they tell me how they're doing. I'll tell them how I'm doing. And, you know, we have a conversation. We speak a little bit about God and, and, you know, um, there, some of them, they're still praying. They're still doing good. Um, some of them, they ended up going to prison. So they're in prison. They're calling me from there. And, um, um, you know, I asked them, what can I help you guys with? And, you know, besides giving you guys a word and, and, you know, reassuring you guys that God's still there with you. And I'll put, I'll put some money in your books too, you know? So yeah, they're, they're, they're still there, you know, they're still that's there. Good. You know? They're still calling for help. Yeah, that's great. Well, 10 months later, what could you say to somebody? Because the sad truth of the matter is there are a lot of people who have gone to jail or prison who uh, went unjustly. I think Dave was talking earlier about, you know, the, uh, the whole plea agreement system is, is corrupt. What could you say to somebody who may be going through something similar that you went through? You know, they're, they're, you know, in, in the right path and the righteous path, I, you know, I come just hold on, you know, God has a better plan. You know, he's bigger than our problems. Um, he, he knows what's going to happen. He knows the future you know, and, and, and he's preparing, um, that person or, or for, for what's about to happen. Um, you know, he's going to be working in your heart. You know, it's not going to be easy. I mean, it's not fun getting arrested. It's not fun being in there, but it's something that the, maybe that person needs to go through, you know, and, and, um, to me it was, it was an intervention. I feel like God, I feel like, I feel like if I would have continued going on into that life that I was taking, or, or that I was continuing, I, I, I mean, would I be able to see a turnaround? I mean, if I kept going any further, um, would I be dead instead of in jail? Would I be, you know, something, you know, something else worse than, than, than going to jail for, for four months? Um, so I feel like God intervened for me, you know, he stopped me and, and, and it was, it, I mean, it was, it was a sudden stop. I mean, it was boom, you know, you, I hit the wall. And, uh, I believe it's uh, I believe it's prison fellowship that has the saying uh, rescued, not arrested. And so, yeah. did you kind of feel like that was the case? Yes. Your case, yeah. Yes, I mean, like you know, the way I was going, I mean, it was either dead or or in jail, and it, it was jail. So, you know, mm-hmm. he chose the better one for me. But um, just encourage them, you know, just to encourage them. Um, um, this is my testimony. This is what I'm going to be testifying. This, this is what I'm going to tell them when, whenever I go up to them, to, to, to the inmates. So, you know, I was there once, you know. So this is my testimony, and, and I'm not ashamed of it now. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that I went through it because I can use it for the gain, you know, of, of the kingdom, you know. And, 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 and I would, you know, just tell these people, you know, hey, you might be going through bad times, but it, it's all for a better, for a better you know, uh, plan. I mean. Even though it might not be the plan that God wanted for you in the beginning, um, but now it is. You know, he's going to change it and he's going to use it for, for the better good, you know. 
Yeah, I think we need to be reminded that uh, Jesus went through an unjust um, yeah, uh, situation as well. He was accused of something that he never did, and uh, yet his was part of the plan. And uh, he went to the cross, and uh, so that not that he would be rescued, but that we could be rescued. And that's just uh, good news. Ricardo, we just want to say thank you for uh, sharing your journey with us. And uh, we're just so excited about um, your, uh, your awakening and uh, continued awakening and uh, the, just the benefits that your family and yourself are going to reap and those that come in contact with you are going to reap because you learned from this. And uh, so, Dave, do you have any closing words you want to uh, give to Ricardo? Thank you very much, Ricardo. It was good to uh, finally talk to you. I've, I've heard your story, and it's, it's good to talk to you tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Ricardo. Well, I believe we've answered the age-old question, are two Daves better than one? Of course they are, Dave. Don't you think so? I think so. Hey, always, if you enjoyed uh, this podcast, and even if you didn't enjoy it, we'd ask you to subscribe or share this podcast with your friends. And until next time, always remember, two Daves are better than one. Dave, we'll see you later. <laughs>